Podcasting from a sex-writing cave somewhere in the middle of the internet, this is The Smutlancer Show, a weekly podcast where we discuss writing about sex and getting paid to do it. The Smutlancer Podcast is hosted by Kayla Lords and Molly Moore, two sex bloggers who have more ideas than they have time in the day. If this is your first time listening, glad to have you. If you're back for another week, welcome back. The Smutlancer Podcast is produced weekly, except during those times when we finally admit we need a mini vacation. Show notes are found at thesmutlancer.com. When you're ready to take your smutlancing career to a new level, join the Smutlancers community on Patreon. For as little as $5 per month, you can ask questions, get answers, and interact with both Molly and Kayla and an entire community of other people who create content about sex and want to get paid to do it. Head over to patreon.com slash thesmutlancers. That's patreon.com slash thesmutlancers to learn more. Okay, we're here. We're back. It's Kayla Lords, Molly Moore. We're answering questions. Um, this is our second episode from being back with the new format. So you will get to hear both of us talking. And we begged for questions on the internet, you know, as you do, uh, from our fellow smut lancers. And the internet provided, as it does. So let's answer some questions. Now, all of these are really good questions and nearly every question we got could be its own episode. (laughs) So we are not gonna spend 30 minutes on every single one. We are gonna try and answer it fairly briefly. And then anytime we have a link to anything, we'll include that in the show notes so that you can get more information. And um, we may do take some of these questions and do a full episode on each one in the future to really dig into the details. Okay, so let's start with the first question. This one comes from uh, Spices of Lust, at Lust Spices on Twitter. Um, And they said they'd like to hear more on how to monetize your sex blog and how long did it take you to start earning money from it? And I read this and I understood the question completely and then I giggled. (laughs) (laughs) So Molly, I'm going to let you go first. How long did it take you to start earning money from your sex blog? Oh, wow. Now I feel like there's a bus, like, chuntering down towards me and you just threw me under it. But it's okay. I've got this. So, weirdly, I don't even really feel like I directly monetize my sex blog even now. I do have bits and pieces that I do. Um, I've had advertisers in the past. They tend to come and go. It seems to be, like, companies... Everybody everybody wants to advertise and then all the companies decide it's not worth doing it and that seems to be a kind of pattern that happens so they come and go. Um, sponsored blog posts, I have those on a, again, an uh, irregular basis because like you suddenly get a whole influx of people and then they all just seem to vanish also all at the same time and then they all come back again. So I do, most of my income <laughs> doesn't directly come from monetizing that space. It comes from the fact that I've built up my name using that space. So then other people pay me to do stuff in other spaces. So I write for other um, websites or um, sex toy companies or various other things like that. I run someone's social media um, and stuff like that. So how did I start to monetize my sex blog? I kind of didn't really. I kind of took myself and the skills that I had learned from doing it and the knowledge and 
used it more as a, hey, look at me, this is what I do and this is who I am. You should employ me on your site to do X, Y, Z. Um, so that's really what I've, what, how I've done that. How long um, did it take to start earning money from it? Well, not from that, but from other things. Um, really, um, when did I really feel like I started? I mean, I, you know, dipped in and out and done the odd thing and certainly having the odd sponsored post started probably within about a couple, a year or perhaps 18 months of doing it. Um, but really starting to pick up like the bulk of my income probably um, came, I want to say, like four years ago, something roughly like that, you know? And again, I mean, I'd certainly been earning money from it before that, but the fact that it was the bulk of my income was probably then. And four years ago, that would have been 2015. And when did you, just remind us all how long you've been doing this, when did you start your blog? Yeah, because I'm a bit of the grandma of... <laughs> yeah, but I'm the cranky aunt. So if you're grandma, I'm the, the cranky aunt. There's a few, there are a few, there are still, there are a few still who have like been around just before me. Um, but lots of the people who were my peers at the time, or people who inspired me at the time when I started, vast majority of those people have gone away um fallen by the wayside as people's lives change and whatever but i started in 2010 so i am approaching my 10th anniversary of doing this we're gonna have to do that up big you know that right yeah, i know that's little bit grandma sex <laughs> blogging at that point a decade in but that also yeah. means it took you about five years to really earn any or much money yeah, and I think that's not because I didn't try. I think it's because I didn't try earlier because I wasn't. I was doing other things. Um, my kids were younger, so they were taking up a lot more of my time. Um, so yeah, so I think it was like I think if I had believed in myself a bit more and put myself out there a bit more, I probably could have started much earlier. But um, I was uh, way too full of imposter syndrome, which I still have hugely now anyway. Um, but back then was like utterly convinced that I was just, you know, why would anybody want to hear from me or, or have any, you know, employ me to do anything. So, um, yeah, going to the first Eroticon though, which would have been 2012, I want to say. I have to double check that, but I think it was 2012. That actually really changed things for me. And so I'd been blogging then for two years. And I have to say, going to the first Eroticon before we took it over did really change things for me because that actually started to make me realize that people had come to Eroticon to hear something that I had to say. And that was actually quite mind-blowing for me. So it's still, from that, it probably took me another, like, three years to really try and get to grips with that and realize that I could potentially make my living doing this. Okay. And that and that kind of tracks with the way it worked for me because I started blogging in 2012. You you were one of my early inspirations. I had a lot of kink blogs and Hisense Jones uh, of Boob Day fame um, was one of my first to sort of follow and for me to go, oh, you can do this thing. And then after I got into it for probably like six months, I realized that you were out there and went, oh my God, Molly Moore is so amazing. I can't talk to her because she's just amazing. So yeah, I totally get it. Um, 
but it was 20. So 2014, I went freelance as a vanilla writer and it was 2015 when I went, Hey, I want to, I want to earn money as Kayla Lords. And at about the same time, I got my first affiliate offer. A dude shows up in my email and he's like, I have this cheeseburger ball gag. You want to help sell it? And my imposter syndrome went, oh, clearly, he must think there's something special about me or he would never have reached out, not understanding these people reach out to every blogger, even those that don't uh, relate to their topic under the sun. Um, And I made not one dime from that venture. I gave it about six months, real real good shot there. Um, But like you, my monetization primarily comes from people finding me because of my blog and going, hey, would you come work with us? Because we think you'd do this well over here. Um, in Since 2015, though, I have tried to make a more concerted effort to make money from my blog. And even that, just like you said, you know, the advertisers all come at once and then they all go away at once. The sponsor posts all come at once and then they all go away at once. I'm going through that right now. I've had seven offers in the past two weeks, three of which were mostly valid offers and I'm working them now, but then it might be three or four months before I hear from anybody again. Uh, So I don't, I like those, but I don't count those as income I can count on. That's not a steady income. Um, And so I've got affiliate sales. Like I said, I've been doing that since 2015, but it's only been in the past year, maybe year and a half where I've started seeing some income from it, not enough to pay a bill. Um, total, the sheer amount in the past year of affiliate sales might cover a basic sex blog hosting. Like if you were doing just one site and one domain and one hosting service, that's how much money I've probably made. And that's after all this time trying to do affiliate sales. Um, but I use affiliate sales. I use product sales. I've got books. John Brownstone makes kinky things. I'm trying to sell things we actually make. That's another monetization. Um, we've got Patreon, we do that. I've got podcast sponsorships, blog sponsorships, but again, the sponsorships are not anything to, at this level with the audience size we currently have, are not anything that can be counted on. Brands are not knocking down my door to work with us. They're kind of like stumbling across us in the dark Mm -hmm. on the internet and going, oh, okay, sure. Um, so in order, in order to monetize a sex blog, you can't just depend on any one thing. And if it is directly money directly from your sex blog that you want, you have to do multiple things. There is no one thing that will make you all of your money. Uh, so, I think a, w- a word we should say here about affiliate is, so I don't, I think I've got like two affiliate programs that I've signed up to and I don't make any money on them because I don't dedicate, I don't do enough of my content. I'm not really a sex toy reviewer. I do the odd sex toy review because somebody sends me something cool <laughs> and interesting and I like it. Um... Or it's particularly from a company who have perhaps employed me to do other things or whatever. So I do the odd one now and then, but it's not my thing hugely. So it's never going to be a way for me to monetize my blog. I think that you can make good money from affiliates, but you really do have to dedicate a large proportion of your content and not just the content on your blog, but also the content on your other social media platforms to converting that into sales. And I think that it's, it requires a lot of attention and planning and dedication. And if it's your thing and you love sex toys and you love writing that content, then yay, 
but it's not particularly mine. I don't particularly enjoy that type of content creation. Um, so I have never pursued that simply because I just was like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, it doesn't, doesn't put a wiggle in my wall. And I also think, I agree with you completely. And I also think there's a couple other factors. There's um, a numbers factor. The biggest affiliate payout I ever got was from Mystery Vibe through their affiliate network that they're a part of after the one review I did of the Crescendo went viral multiple times. Uh, I don't know who linked it where and how this happened. It wasn't anything I did. It was pure luck. And that blog post was seen six or 7,000 times over the course of two days. Of those six or 7,000 people, two to 500 people clicked the link to the affiliate page, clicked my affiliate link. Of those uh, two to 600, two to 500 people, five people made a purchase within the 30-day cookie or whatever. It is absolutely a numbers game if you are just putting your links out there. The other thing is you also, especially if you want to try and incorporate affiliate sales into everything else you do and you don't want to just do sex toys, and there's nothing wrong with just doing sex toys, but whatever you do, your content has to be authentic to you. And what I finally found, and it's where we've seen the most success, and I use the term success loosely, put some big old air quotes around that, the most success with affiliate sales is only partnering with brands that when I talk about them, either verbally or in a blog post, that I can be my most gleeful baby girl silly self and show exactly how much I love them. For me, that's hot octopus. That's the butters. It's about to be electrostim. They're my new favorite because that was a fun time had by all with their product. Mm -hmm. But if I can speak about those products authentically in the way my audience recognizes is my true self, they are more likely to take a chance on that product. And I don't have to rely on numbers so much as I have to rely on the trust that my audience has in me. And then I can never do anything to violate that trust because then I lose everything. So there, but it is, you are absolutely right. It is, you have to dedicate yourself to it. You have to be thinking about it. You have to remember, you've got to promote those things. You've got to look at content and say, how do these affiliate products fit into my content so I can do the link so I can maybe get the click so I can maybe make the sale. And yeah, affiliate affiliate sales are, are hard. But you know what? They all of the monetization opportunities are like that. Patreon is a constant promotion, a constant remembering to remind people, hey, we've got a patron. I'm gonna slip in our little plug right now, patreon.com slash the smut lancers, where we talk about this shit all the time. Um, <laughs> join our community. But you have to be willing to talk about those things that make you money, whether it's your blog and pumping up your blog so you catch the attention of brands, it's products that you're affiliate of or companies you're an affiliate of so you get people to click, whether it's your Patreon or it's your book for sale. It's a constant promotion. There is anybody who tells you there is passive income in the online world, it does not understand the definition of passive because it all requires some amount of work, different kinds of work, but some amount of work. And to get back to the, the part of the question of how long, well, if I go from the time my blog started in 2012 and I'm 2015 is when I probably made the very first like $5 I ever made, that's three years. But when I think about it in terms of concentrating on making money right. as a sex blogger, in 2015, I said, this is what I want to do. I want to make money. And it was in 2018, maybe late 2017, I have to ask John Brownstone, he remembers better than I do, that I could make a full living wage off of the work I did. Now, I still had my vanilla writing. I still had my client work. 
And not and the thing that my living wage comes from is not my products, it's not my Patreon, it's not my affiliate members, it's all the work I get because I'm Kayla Lord's sex blogger where I write for somebody else. So I think the majority of the money out there for most of us is in taking the talents you develop in your sex blog and applying them to somebody else. So, wow, we have a lot to say about that. We do. And so, hey, you know, at Lust Spices, Spices of Lust, I hope we've answered your question, but if not, ask us another one, depending, you know, from what we've said, maybe you have now a further question. So, yeah, hit us up. We definitely exactly. want to know. Exactly. Exactly. And I wrote a big, huge, massive, like multi-thousand word guide about making money from a sex blog. I will link to that in the show notes. Hopefully some of that will help as well. Okay. Okay. So let's go to the next question. And I'm going to do um, the Smut Geek. Love me some mm-hmm. at the Smut Geek. Um, her question was, I'd love some information about, quote, staying on brand and what happens if you want to write something outside your usual niche. Don't do it. Do it, but only a certain way. Don't worry about it. I have thoughts. Do you have thoughts? <laughs> uh, well, you know I have. I always have thoughts. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so, like, my and gut reaction is do it mostly because so staying on brand is totally a thing like but you know who you are and you know what you want to say but if suddenly you have a burning thought or need to share about some other aspect of your life that perhaps wasn't necessarily directly related to your sex blog or whatever I think that you should share it because, as as a general rule, because part of why people like reading about our stuff and reading about people in general is that they want to know you or they want to feel like they know you. And that kind of bit that, you know, what you think about, what you believe, those kinds of things. So if you suddenly have this, like, actually, you know what, I really need to write about some political thing or something then, and it's a really burning desire for you to share that topic, then I totally think you should go for it. Um, On the other hand, like, there is that element of caution as well in that, you know, be absolutely sure that you also do want everyone to know that this is what you think about that thing. (laughs) So, you know, maybe if you think that most of your readers are probably not pro-Trump, writing a blog post saying, I think Trump's great, might actually be a mistake. Is like an extreme example. Right. <laughs> there are times when you don't have to get political. <laughs> um, you could find your readers disappearing in large, in large numbers because it's a very, it's a controversial subject. People are, have very strong feelings about it. it. It's maybe one way you go, uh, on the other hand, if you felt very strongly about it, so for example, let's think of another example. So let's talk about um, trans rights or access to abortion. As somebody who hopefully is a sex positive person, you are going to be saying that you believe you know, in trans rights or you believe in abortion access, access to abortion. So if you piss off some right-wing Christians by writing that, actually, you probably shouldn't be sad about that because it really fits with your brand, for want of a better word, or your beliefs anyway, and it fits with your whole persona of being a sex-positive person. 
So it's quite fine to kind of piss off people, but as a general rule, like you want to piss off the people who probably are vaguely pissed off anyway because, you know, wow, you're a woman talking about sex and that shouldn't happen. So, you know, it's okay to piss off those people. You don't want to piss off all your other kind of sex positive writers or readers by suddenly writing something that's really sex negative. And I I agree. I'm going to say this a lot. Y'all just get used to it. I agree completely. It's funny. When I saw the question, my (laughs) mind went in a different direction. So, and it's because like Molly, I run way too many websites uh, for it to be healthy. We'll probably be, we'll probably just be old people with lots of websites one day and it'll just be us on the internet. Um, But uh, my thought went to two ways and it's the way I blog and it's the way, the reason I start websites. So at KaylaLords.com, I am my brand. The brand is my name. It is, yes, it's kink-based. Yes, it's sex-based. Yes, it's erotica. Yes, 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 yes. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I put all that out there. But the brand is me. So anything I have to say that is authentic to me, then it gets to go on that blog. And it doesn't matter if I've never written about it before. Now, that doesn't mean I'm always confident about it. Um, the first time I wrote about my mental health... Right. I was shaking. I, I, had, I went through that same thought that a lot of bloggers have of, oh my gosh, I'm going to alienate people. They came for the smut and here mm-hmm. I am talking about my, my mental mm-hmm. illness. When in fact, what happened was I had a better, stronger uh, connection with a lot of my readers because they right. got to see themselves in my situation. They could relate very well to those situations. So I've become a lot more comfortable going, well, this isn't sexy, but it's real and it's about me and I am my Mm -hmm. brand. So therefore it's on brand. Now, I think the same thing is absolutely true. I do think about, do I really want to piss off everybody because I have this really weird controversial opinion? If the answer is no, I might forego sharing an opinion. Um, But for the most part, if it happens to me, if it affects me, if it's about me, I'm going to blog about it because I am my brand. That being said, I purposely started two other informational websites because partly for audience building, but partly because I didn't feel like I could make a, the branding wasn't working. And so now I run two informational sites that, yes, have absolutely a personal flair. You know, that is me. That's my voice. That's my experience. I throw in personal examples all the time. But the um, purpose of those websites, both Loving BDSM and the Smut Lancer, is to share information. So I make decisions on content through a different lens than I do through at KaylaLords.com because it all has to fit in with the whole, the wider purpose of the site. That doesn't mean I'm stuck only talking about mm-hmm. certain things. The Smut Lancer, we're going to talk about mental health and we're going to talk about money and we're going to talk about being inspired and motivated because there's a lot that goes into right. being a Smut Lancer. I love BDSM. I'm going to talk about the most mundane parts of a relationship because God help us all. Boring stuff happens too. (laughs) I don't care how kinky you are. So you have bigger umbrellas in your brand than you realize. And I think when you have an informational site, you do have to look at it differently than if you have your personal site. Your personal site has a lot more territory to cover because it's about who you are as a person. And the, the, am I experience and in my opinion the way to build a loyal audience is to be as fully yourself as you are comfortable sharing on the internet and that means talking about the not sexy stuff that means talking about things that are difficult or things that aren't exactly uplifting or that feel like they're off brand because you are your brand and your audience wants to know you they want to connect with you and the thing you can't predict is what they will connect with you on 
Will it be your love of gaming? Will it be your love of Doctor Who? Will it be your love of kink? Who knows? But you don't even create the opportunity for that if you're not willing to share some of that. Right. And I'd say that's the same here. If you distinguish my stuff, Molly, to obviously Eroticon, again, I think it, it, we have exactly the same thing. Eroticon wouldn't do those kinds of things, whereas actually I would feel uh, on my site, actually I'm going to write about this thing. Because it's my personal opinion or experience or whatever. So, yeah, I think that's the same. Yep. Okay, so hopefully at this Geek on Twitter, follow her. She's amazing. Um, hopefully we answered your question. But if not, feel free to ask more. If we made more questions appear, feel free to keep asking. Because we are going to keep doing these episodes every month until, I don't know, if people run out of questions. Is that even possible? Mm, probably not. I don't know. Well, they come and, I don't know, till we get dragged off to, to the great sex blogging industry in the sky. Until somebody finally tells us we're not allowed to do this anymore. <laughs> It'll, pro- it'll have to be our husbands who are also our dominants. We'll have to be like, no, you're not allowed. And then we'll have to cry. And then there will be some kinky things. And then we'll be back. It'll be fine. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I'm moving on to, and, I'm, and Molly, this is definitely your question because I can't even keep up with what the hell's going on. This one is from uh, May Moore. She is at May underscore matters on Twitter. Definitely follow her. Check out her blog. She's amazing too. So she says, one thing I'm still not sure is how the porn law slash bill, that's a UK thing for the US listeners, that may go through will affect those of us with photos on our blogs. It's not really a smut answer question, but you know what? Uh, Yeah, a lot of us smut lancers put sexy photos on our blogs. So Molly, what do you know, if anything? Okay, well, in theory, this, the, uh, the verification, porn verification is meant to start on the 15th of July, I believe, um, in the UK. Now, I hear that all of you in America at this point got breathe a sigh of relief, but you shouldn't really, because first of all, the UK is probably in a weird way paving the way for other countries to follow suit. So it's all going to come and get you in the end. And secondly, I'm pretty sure that plenty of you have loads of readers from the UK. And are you really saying that you want your blogs to go dark in the UK? That would sound like insanity to me. However, do not panic at this stage because, first of all, and don't quote me on this, do not message me on the 15th of July and say, you said it wouldn't happen uh, because I'm probably just going to delete your message, to be honest. Um, there is, but there is, however, a slim chance that they will still um, put this back yet again because the technology and the putting this together has been a complete nightmare and so there is a chance that yet again they will postpone it because they'll say they're not ready because we've already had, I want to say, two postponements. Um, so there is a chance that that will happen, but obviously don't bank on it. The reason, big reason not to panic currently is that the rumour is they are looking at the 100, top 100 porn sites in the world. And despite the fact that all of us wish that we were one of those because we'd all be making a lot more money if we were, no one here, I think, falls into that category. And so for the time being... They are really not interested in bothering with the likes of us. That's what I'm going to call us. Um, So my current advice is don't do anything and don't panic. Um, There is a blog post on Eroticon about this. So again, we will link that in the thing. And any updates we get, we will try and add that in. But 
Um, if, however, as part of what you do, your smart lancing is that you produce some kind of adult content in the form of videos, then things might be different. So, for example, a lot of the clips um, for sale type sites will definitely fall under the age verification bill. The issue with that is as you, because you're uploading content to them, you are not going to actually have to do anything particularly. But obviously, this clip site that you are running is. And in theory, that could affect your income because maybe um, a significant proportion of people having to verify their age will actually affect traffic. And therefore, suddenly you were making, I don't know what you were making, but let's just make up a fantasy figure. You were making 500 bucks a month from your clips. And now suddenly, oh my God, as of the 15th of July, that's like literally been cut in half. So there are things there to consider, but sadly, you're a little bit powerless to change that too, currently. It's all a nightmare. Age, age, age verification, if it does go ahead, is going to be seems to be going to be run by MindGeek, who are... Um, they basically own every mainstream porn site or porn thing that you can name. You know, they are Pornhub, they are RedTube. Um, one of the big problems with age verification is that a lot of campaigners are rightly very concerned about people's identity so that when you age verify, you're actually giving your personal details to essentially a porn company who say they're going to look after it, but as they have a terrible record of data um, security, you have to look at, you would have to be very... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you would have been drinking to leave them. Like, I mean, it's a bit, I don't know, like you... I mean, clearly for someone like me, I don't probably wouldn't care. I would, you know, quite happily do the age verification thing because... You know, if somebody then leaked my name as watching porn, it's like, well, that's no fucking surprise to anybody because I probably tweeted the fact that I've been watching the porn. Um, but obviously, clearly, for many people, um, that's not the case and they don't particularly want that information, nor should they. And um, we should all be able to go about our business uh, and not have to worry about that. So, yes, very complicated, ongoing thing. Currently, at this point in time, do not panic. Don't do anything. Yes. And if you want to try, um, probably the best person I've seen, and there are several people who do a really good job of advocating on behalf of content creators and sharing what they know. Pandora Blake is great about this. Now, I know they are about to have a baby, so things may slow down for them. <laughs> you know, that having a baby thing kind of will do it for you. Um, but uh, I would highly recommend following Pandora Blake. Um I would also recommend, even at a dollar level, supporting their work through Patreon because that's part of how they're paying to go and be an advocate and work on this on everybody's behalf. Also, I would recommend following Miles Jackman as well. Okay, and that was another per person I, I wasn't sure exactly. Okay, so see, yeah, there are resources out there. Follow this carefully. Uh, maybe one day in the future we can get a conversation with one or both of them who, and they can explain it in better detail but part of the problem is, is this is a moving target from what i'm seeing it's constantly being pushed back it's constantly sort of being tweaked a little bit so what what is accurate today might not be right. accurate in a couple of months so right right so that's why like as of today right at this moment 
my answer is don't panic don't change don't like do anything uh watch this space yep exactly and as we know stuff we'll try and get it to you guys okay so we're gonna go to our next question and okay so I'm going to go to what we might call easy ones and then we'll, we'll finish with a big one because even when we were briefly discussing these, we were like, oh, that's not a big question. So this is a question we got from one of our wonderful patrons, uh, patreon.com slash the uh, You'll know her as Toy for Sir on Twitter. And it's just a question of what are some of the best stock photo options? Madam photographer, I'm going to let you go and <laughs> start. <laughs> Well, which is a bit weird, actually. See, because I'm a photographer, I don't really use them because I create virtually all the images that I use on my site, on Isley Kiss, on King of the Week, on... Um, I don't even remember the sites I run now. Um, Simple Sunday. I don't know how to do this all the time. Um, <laughs> right. So, That's what happens when you're the grandma of sex blogging. You forget what sites you have. Because, obviously, I'm, I'm the photographer, um, that's actually made it easier for me. And one of the things I very much early on decided, probably in my very first year of blogging, I started off like using images off the internet, and then I started using self-portraits. And very quickly, I was like, no, I want this to be all my own work. I don't want to be t- using other people's images. Um, and then that's kind of spread out across all the other projects that I run. So I don't use them really at all often because I just create everything myself. Um, there's huge benefits to that because one, you know, you own it. You don't. You're not. You're not having that issue where someone's going to bob up and go, well, "I don't know why you're using that picture because I never said you could use it." Because uh, they're all my pictures. So that's a huge. Uh, you know, I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about that. And it also means that I can claim ownership myself. So then if people start using those images, I can be like, well, wait, hang on. That's actually my image. You don't get to just take it and use it on your site. Um, so it's not being, you know, I'm not using the same image as everyone else. Or if we are, it's because I've given everyone permission to use it. So I don't use them. When I do, the only one I use every now and then um, is the Pixel Pixel Bay. Pixel Bay, yeah. That's, that was one I, I usually recommend as a free option. Yeah, simply because I don't, there's no point in me making, I don't, because I very rarely use it, I have never bothered looking for anything more. I have never bothered making an account with anybody um or doing anything like that because i am literally possibly using like i used it just recently for the header image for double penetration that we did on kink the week because uh, oddly i didn't have an image (laughs) well you need to get on top of that and go get you some uh, dp images (laughs) i actually kind of went for something that was like more like a drawing because i just thought that's actually like a little bit in between like being kind of real hardcore porn and <laughs> just put this here so that was i think that's the last time i used it and i and i got it off um pixel bay um just so that i know that i'm not just nicking someone's image off the internet i do know that there's a site called shagstock which is being under development by somebody who i know who is a sex blogger and other things in real life which i won't say uh, but that is, I mean, it's live. Go and have a look. But and I know that um, he was um, 
open for content he wanted to create more comments have more content so if you do take pictures you might want to go and look there and think about uploading your pictures there because if that project does take off um then you potentially could make some money from your pictures so yeah there's my answer Okay, and I'm glad you mentioned Shagstock. I joined as a potential user of images, but yeah, I'm sort of waiting for that to be populated. And I've been spoiled. Um, the The last time I checked, and it may have changed since then, the model that he had on Shagstock was you pay per picture. And I don't mind, I certainly don't mind paying for images, but I prefer to pay one monthly charge and get a certain amount um, if I'm going to have to pay for it. But so it depends on your budget, where you're going to want to go. Pixabay, I absolutely recommend a lot, a lot, a lot of images I've used on um, KaylaLords.com and, and even the other sites um, have come from there. The problem there is that the images are kind of limited when you want to look for something sexy or kinky. Um, you can find them, but you usually have to get creative with your search terms or you're looking at a picture that makes you go, mm, that does not fill me with anything sexual. No, thank you. Um, uns go ahead. Uh, the other thing I was going to say as well is remember loads of us who are creating images, there's lots of sex bloggers who create images. You know, if somebody ever sent me a DM saying, hey, I'm writing a post about, Christ, I don't know, stockings and suspenders, which you call stockings and garters in America. <laughs> um, and you've got this great post on your blog. Could I use it to illustrate my post? For somebody who's a sex blogger like that, I would be like, absolutely, you can use it. As long as you link back to me, you can absolutely use it. If you're a company, however, then you know what? I want cold, hard fucking cash if you want to use my picture. But for other content creators, so that's something to always bear in mind. Like, I'm pretty sure that most bloggers would be flattered and delighted to have somebody say, could I use your picture to illustrate my blog? And then you're giving them a little bit of traffic, you're giving them a little bit of exposure, um, everybody's helping everybody in that situation. So yeah, I'm always like, I've, I have had people come and say, can I use your picture? Um, so that's something to bear in mind as well, because then you're kind of supporting this community in the way, or supporting that community in the way that you can. Exactly, and I, I think that's awesome. As somebody who has come to you many times and said, can I use that picture for Masturbation Monday? I, I can verify if, if you're one of the community. Yeah, she'll, she'll be kind about it. So, um, yeah, talk to your fellow sex bloggers. Um, Pixabay is, like I said, it's limited. Another one I like to use for people, and if I want, I want faces, which I very rarely want to use on my personal blog. If it's my personal blog, I mean, and I want a person, I'm going to use myself or John Brownstone, but Unsplash, U-N-S-P-L-A, S8. All these links will be in the show notes. Don't worry, guys. Um, that one's pretty good. It's free. Um, they don't require that you give credit or link back, but they do ask nicely that you do. Uh, another one that's fairly new is the Gender Project. I cannot remember the exact name of it, but it's done by Broadly. And it is images of transgender and non-binary people doing the same things you see in all other stock uh, photo sites, but you get something other than the heteronormative cisgender kind of stuff you're used to. Um, I have used that on a couple of professional projects, and the pictures are great. I'm hoping that they're going to keep adding to right. it over time. All they ask is that you not use it for commercial purposes, so like, don't put it on your book cover and you're going to sell a book. You can't do that. But posting it on your blog and then linking back to them is all they ask. Um, if you've got cash to spend, and I know a lot of people don't, um, I now... 
I would love to do Getty images, iStock photos, all those, but those cost a lot of money. They have great quality images, but they cost a lot of freaking money. The one I use right now is called Deposit Photos. It's $29 a month for 30 images, and then whatever you don't use in a given month rolls over to the next month. Mm-hmm. So if you have a couple months where you didn't use that many images, you still have them. I stockpile images all the time for when I then have some crazy content stuff I'm doing and I need some more pictures. They... Like any stock photo site, they are not perfect in um, offering uh, non-binary, certainly never seen anything I would say, yeah, that's transgender without being like clownish and kind of like creepy and you're afraid you're going to insult everybody. And you have to look very hard for anything not heteronormative, not beautiful, thin, model-esque people. They have it. They just don't make it easy to find. You, I work really hard to try and find the images that I find. I've actually gotten to a point where if I can avoid right. putting people in a shot and can use landscape or or some object as uh-huh. the metaphor of what I mean, I will do that because then I'm not putting a race, an age, a gender, a sexuality on anything and it can be a little bit more neutral. Um, but it has helped me with a lot of different things. I use it a lot for the Smut Lancer site now um, because it's not really about specific people it's about concepts like typing or writing or money or whatever so um and that is 29 dollars a month um i think i have an affiliate link um i'll link to it below if you have a budget do not pay for this if you cannot afford it i promise you it is it's nice to have pictures to complement a blog post it does help with seo it does yeah. help with readability yeah. yeah absolutely yes images are do enhance what you've got but right now if you're a broke little sex blogger who just started your site please focus on the actual content and when in doubt right maybe that's a topic we should cover at some point yeah and use the community talk to people like as i said you know what if you came to me and you know you're in within this community and said hey could i use your picture that's about this then i'm Ninety-five percent likely you're going to say, "Please do." You know, link back to me. But yeah, yeah, exactly. So lean on the community. Ask nicely. Be generous in return. If they're doing something for you, letting you use a picture, link back to them. Talk about them. You know, talk them up on social media so they get more followers. Like, be be generous in return, and then it's a lot easier for everybody to work together. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's yeah. move on to the next question. Okay. And this one comes from Quinn on Queer Street on Twitter. She's fabulous. And this one, both you and I, both on Eroticon site and the Smut, Smut Lancer, I'll, I'll learn the name of my own site eventually, the Smut Lancer site, we have talked about the About Me page. So if you don't know what an About Me page is, click the links in the show notes. But this question is, how often should you update your About Me page on your blog? What say you, Mark? Okay, so uh, the post I actually wrote about this is actually on my blog, Molly's Dirty Kiss, uh, because I wrote it um, pretty much directly related to the top 100 sex blog list that I run now on an annual basis. Um, And the About Me page on the sites, on the blogs that I score everybody out of, you have to go and read how that project works if you want to understand more, if you don't know it. But an About Me page can get you potentially 10 points because that's how I think they're important. Because if somebody comes, quick, just very quickly about About Me pages, I know we're trying to route through this, but somebody stumbles across your link, either 
they Google something and your link comes up or whatever. They come, they read your great post about, I don't know what, about spanking. And they love what they've read, but they're like, who is this person? I'd like to know more about who this person is. So they look around your site and they click on the About Me page and the About Me page says, this is a sample of a WordPress page. <laughs> Don't do that, y'all. Don't do that. <laughs> they then go, oh, okay. And they leave instantly. They do not bother searching for any more. They don't read any more. They're gone. Or they click on the About Me page and the About Me page says 30-something from Buffalo, I love cats. They also, at this point, leave because you've literally given them nothing. So your About Me page is your chance to introduce yourself. Imagine suddenly you're on the stage with the spotlight and somebody says, now, keep me here. You have literally got to go, ta-da, here I am, and this is me. So that people can feel like they can connect with you a little bit and then they're going to go, oh, uh, she's she he, he they whatever your pronoun is i feel like i have a connection with this person or i understand them a bit more and so now i want to read more of what they've said also you should use your about me page to encourage people to click about on your website maybe we can talk about that in another topic how you get pe- not you know getting people to your website is really important but how do you keep the fuckers there uh, is another topic. <laughs> That's um, what we're going to call the show. How do you keep the fuckers there? Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean that fuckers in an, like a nice and endearing way. Like, I love you fuckers, you know? With all the love in your heart. Yes. <laughs> um, so how often should you update your About Me page on your blog? I would say at least once a year. Um, I'm really very, even though I've written a post about it, I'm always like, it's on my to-do list constantly. And then I do like 500 other things. But I would say at least once a year, if you have a massive change for some reason, then you should be doing it. So I don't know, you start a new project, you start a new site, you have a new writing gig somewhere else that you want to promote, a big change in your personal life. So your About Me page should give people a bit of an idea of, you know, I, you know, Kayla's would say, I'm married to John Branson and we're in a DS relationship and da, da, da. Um, You know, if suddenly that changed and she was pregnant with twins, then that would be something she's making like the best place ever right now. Then, um, (laughs) it's called panic. That's called panic. If that happens, panic. (laughs) You know, so a big life change happens or, you know, you get a new partner or your partner gets a new partner or whatever, then that would be something you would go into. I would advise you anyway to go into your About Me page and and add those little details about your life. You move to a new country or whatever, then um, then that would be a reason to update your About Me page at a time when you hadn't scheduledly planned to do it. But I would say at least once a year, it should be on your to-do list of something to review and make sure that it is up to date, that you haven't written some kind of introduction that clearly you wrote in 2013 and have never updated. So it still says, you know, I started my blog this year in January and, and actually that was like six years ago and you've still got the same opening thing. So yeah, at least once a year, maybe once every six months if you want to be sure. But I would say once every year and then if you have some kind of big thing. 
And I agree completely. I can add nothing to that because one, um, you are probably the reason I have a better about me page than I used to because of all of your um, please urging and pleading with people to make better blogs so they could get higher scores on the top. <laughs> also use it like i'm trying to say like you you should use your about me page it's a brilliant way of keeping people on your site and getting them to click on new things so you should be offering them you should be saying here's the thing about me but if you really want to know more about this you should go and read this post and if you really want to know more about this you should go and read this post because what you want to do is encourage people to click around so that's another really important reason why about me pages i'm like rah 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 about them because it's an opportunity to spoon feed the fuckers. It's the, the fuckers, the, the fuckers with love. And, I, and I'll tell you, as a reader of websites, and now as somebody who spends my time reaching out to different sex bloggers for different projects I'm working on, it is frustrating to go to a site and there be either no about page at all, and they're like, well, who the hell is this person? Or to see that two sentence, this is who I am, and it sort of, it feels like, even if this was never your intention when you made that about page, it feels like a shrug, like, yeah, I'm here. Well, as somebody who might be coming to you to go, hey, you want to work together? Maybe there's money in this. Maybe, you know, who knows? Depends on who I'm working with at the time. I can't even offer you the thing you want as a smut lancer because you've given me nothing. I know nothing about you. And the sex blogging community is not massive, but it is a lot bigger than people realize. So if you're not actively, when I say selling yourself, I mean like telling us who the hell you are and why we should care about you through an about page. I don't have to hunt you down. I can go to the next blogger on my list and say, right. okay, what what am I seeing about this person that might be so, a good fit for this project, that project, whatever, whatever it is? Or, you know, maybe I personally want to work with you and I think you're great, but all I know about you is one blog post and I go to try to learn more and there's there's nothing there or it's outdated. So yeah, about about me pages are massively important from a from a personal just trying to keep people on your site and build your audience standpoint. And also hello smelt lancers from a earning damn money aspect please please make it easy on the people who might want to work with you to allow them to work with you my other rant about that which has nothing to do with any of these questions would be an easy way to contact you either an easily findable email address and i understand why people don't always do email addresses that's fine uh, or a contact me page please make it easy to get in touch with you so that maybe you can do business with somebody (laughs) That would be my other rant on things you really need to have. Um, but yeah, I agree with you completely on, completely on the About Me page. I have been right. really bad about it. I think it was back in, I don't know, 2015, 2016. It might have been 2017. I finally wrote this like epic About Me page at KaylaLords.com. I had subheadings because I was doing so many things. I was like, I'm not just Kayla Lords. I'm like, I'm all these 85 things. And let's talk about these 85 things. And even I still have to be reminded, you need to go check that. Some of that might not be accurate anymore. Yeah, mine's really bad. So like, I'm giving advice, but I know that mine is out of date. So yes, do do as I say, not as I do. Exactly. And also know that there's no need to feel guilty if you are behind on that, because truly we're all behind on that. Yeah. Okay. So our last question, I feel like is, it's a big, important question. And I think as, as we learn more about this topic, it 
will probably deserve its own standalone episode, but we did want to touch on it. Uh, Floss asked this of Proud to be Kinky and Floss does live. She's great too. Gosh, everybody who asks questions, you're great. I love you. There, I got it out of the way at the end. Okay, so her question is about payment, that lots of people have had PayPal struggles. She lost two PayPal accounts. Um, she says, apparently I use it for nefarious means. Uh, I finally have one back, but losing it is always a worry. Uh, yet it still seems to be the most popular form of payment. Are there any tips on navigating PayPal as a sex blogger? And are there any alternative platforms that sites often use to pay folks through? If PayPal is the main payment system offered and you don't have it, how do you go about approaching someone with the need for an alternative method? Yes, well, uh, so PayPal are not sex friendly in any way, shape or form. They are possibly one of the most unsex friendly um, platforms, but they, but that, they're, that money and banking is a massive problem when it comes to sex. Um, particularly, not perhaps quite so much for people like us, but particularly if anything that you do or create is potentially or can look like, in their opinion, you're a sex worker. So, for example, never use a PayPal account to take money if you are selling your used panties because they class that as sex work. And the minute they get a sniff of your used panty, they will shut down your account quicker than you can whip your panties off. Um, so the only way around that is to obviously get people to just send you money and not actually say what that payment is for. However, PayPal also are really big on sniffing people's accounts. And I think if you're getting sent lots of money from random people all over the place, my suspicion is that will probably flag you up to PayPal as some kind of suspicious activity, which they're all over too. And because they're PayPal, all these private company corporations just make up their own rules and as they go along. And so they can literally say, we've shut you down. I wonder if they even said to Floss for using this site, using PayPal inappropriately. And when you say to them, what does that mean? They never answer you because they don't care and they don't feel like they have to. So you never actually even really know what you've done wrong. Uh, there isn't much of an answer to that. I have never had a problem because my PayPal is actually in my real name. And so I think that that's some, I think that PayPal are like big on that shit. They will like want you to be the real self. They don't want you setting up alternative identities um, and stuff like that. So if they find out that you're doing that, they will shut your account down. Because I don't need to be, my, I mean, Molly is my pen name. My PayPal account actually is in my real, real name. So if you pay me through that, then you're going to find out my real name. But luckily, I'm in a position where I'm not really um, that fussed about that. Um, but obviously, for other people, that's not the case. And that actually puts you in a difficult situation because the minute you try and make a PayPal in with some other kind of random name, that can be often a trigger for them to shut you down. I wish I had an answer of how to navigate PayPal better, apart from put in your real details, use your real name, but clearly that may then rule out you using it because you don't want anyone to know those details. Um, and don't use it, don't link your blog to your PayPal account in any way. So don't put like a PayPal pay me button on your blog or anything like that because that then shows up in, in PayPal, they then track you back to your blog and then they go, ooh, you're selling tits and arse. 
Um, so that's the end of you. So don't ever do that. Keep, like really, really, really keep it separate um, if you can. We use PayPal perfectly successfully for Eroticon. We have a business account with them. But we did actually talk to them before we did that. We actually found, like made the account and then said, this is what we're doing. We're selling tickets to a conference and it's called Eroticon. And they took a look and they went, that's fine. Because it's an actual event that people are going to. They didn't seem that bothered. Um, but I do know that people who have run like kink events have had trouble because then they suddenly go, oh, is this like, is this, are you actually like, is there, could there somehow be sex workers? The minute they get a sniff of that, they shut you down. So tricky one alternative payment well i mostly prefer i hate being paid through paypal because they take money and fuck paypal quite frankly why should they get some of my money that i've grafted for so my preferred payment method is a direct bank transfer which is very easy to do in the united kingdom but i know is not so easy in the us because your banking system is fucked up <laughs> as is everything here in the u.s but yeah like your banking system is fucked up compared to ours and weird as <laughs> shit like we can do all kinds of cool shit that americans are not fucking allowed to do because they cannot be trusted <laughs> well that's actually true you've seen how some of us vote right <laughs> which actually maybe there's truth to that bit fair enough but anyway so direct uh, bank transfer payment i love that shit um, as a general rule, all companies, whenever they come to me and they want to pay, I'm like, that's how I want to be paid. Some of them are like, no, 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 we have to use PayPal. Um, I then tell them they have to pay me more as a result if you want to pay me through PayPal, but that's just me. Um, so, yes, I prefer bank transfer. Um, I just do it successfully with quite a few UK companies, and I also do it successfully with European companies. However, they use something called TransferWise, which seems to be some kind of um, payment kind of processory type thing that makes it easier with international bank shit. Um, having said that, I've also been paid successfully bank transfers from American bank accounts. It just takes longer and... Um, they seem to need to be a company of a f bigger size who obviously have that those facilities available to them um and so i have been i have said like pay me this way send an invoice da, 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 they sort it out they need your international bank number which you will have an international bank number sometimes it's on your bank statement sometimes you can log on and get it if not you might have to call your bank but you have there's two there's a big number and international bank number and you'll need both of those to take an international payment however i am aware that it means giving your real name to people but if you are taking payment from companies who are paying you for your work, I'd be less worried about that. However, if you're taking payment from uh, you're from the guy who's buying your used panties, then you probably maybe don't want him to know your real name. And so it gets much more complicated, and I wish I had a fucking answer for you, and I don't. Um, yeah, if I find one out, I'd let you know. But I don't know, do you have any more? Um, I would also say a few things, because, uh, again, I agree completely with Molly. I'm gonna, I'm, you're going to get tired of it, and I don't care. I'll probably say it a lot. Okay, so I use PayPal for all of my client work. So client work is the work I'm commissioned to do to write for another website, one-time clients, ongoing clients. 
because direct deposit, in my experience, is so rare, the last company who paid me direct deposit, I did not sleep for three days because I was convinced they were going to wipe my business bank account clean. No, they actually just paid me. It was fine. <laughs> but that's how rare it is for me. So I use PayPal's invoicing features. So every bit of work I do for somebody, I create an invoice that's for my record. So I can say, hey, look, I have an invoice. It's for their records. I treat everybody because I'm doing it for business clients, treat them like a business. They get an invoice and I send them out through PayPal and I get paid through PayPal. And even though I hate the fees too, um, here in the States, I can call that a business expense and it makes the taxes I owe less. And so I don't really mind so much. Um, so I use PayPal for that. And I'm, I get like Molly, I've never had any problems. I put my real information in there. I do not. Um, the things I do that um, I think might maybe help is it's all about writing services. And it's, you know, I put, you know, these are adult companies, these are sex toy shops, but I'm saying, you know, I wrote this content, I wrote that content, it all clearly looks like um, that kind of service. So hopefully, if anybody decides to peek in, they don't start getting all weird, because it's... And weirdly, PayPal seem to be okay with sex toys, like most, a lot of the sex toy companies um, use PayPal anyway as part of their, like, you can often pay using PayPal. So... They seem to be mostly okay with sex toys. And I think and I think that they are to a certain extent. I think for bigger brands, they really don't have a problem with it because it's big brands and it's big money. And then I think smaller brands fall under the radar. Um, yeah. But I was so paranoid about that when John Brownstone and I set, set up our shop for all of the kinky things he makes. We do not use PayPal, which I know is inconvenient for some customers, but I was not going to chance having a PayPal account shut down with any amount of money. So we use something called Stripe, which is not perfectly sex friendly because yeah. none of the money things are, um, but it is more sex friendly. Um, and when I have, I use WooCommerce is what we use for our shop and I use Stripe and you don't have to use WooCommerce, you can use other things. But when I connect it and people buy things through my site, right. The money goes straight into my bank account. It's all done through Stripe. You only get the business name on your invoice. Which we use in Eroticon as well. We use Stripe. Right. So there's some serious setup for it. And they charge fees too because they all charge fees. But there's also a lot less um, worry about personal information. But it's cheaper than PayPal. And then um, I think there was something else I was going to say. And now I have forgotten it because that happens to me a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree that I think going ahead and putting your oh i know what i was going to say but putting your information your real information is will save you more than anything but i think there's no guarantees at all in in general because we work with sexual content um the other thing and this will not be for the newbie this will not be for people who have not made any amount of money yet but if you are making a steady income another thing to consider is setting yourself up as a business um, I know the UK will be different than the US, but you can set up, I know in the US we do it as a, a DBA doing business yeah. as, you can do that under your author or pin name, and that becomes your name to use for business dealings. Um, you can get an LLC, um, which is the, the, like the lowest level of this, um, and set up a business bank account. And with a business bank account, yes, you have to use your name to sign for things, but everything you take in or spend out of that business bank account even if you attach it to a business PayPal, has your business name on it. My Some of my vanilla clients are very confused now because <laughs> invoices are coming to them with the business name on it instead of my name because I'm slowly transitioning all of that. Um, but it is not for the newbie. You have to have some level of 
um, income, steady income to be able to justify that because there is a cost to setting that up. But I would say if you are at the point where you are making steady money and you are trying to increase that money and this is something that you foresee being your business going forward, then as soon as you can afford to do so, make that investment because it does give you an extra layer of protection that being just a random person won't necessarily give you. So it is definitely something to consider. But the payment thing is a massive, massive issue. And because none of the payment processors tell us anything, um, nobody really knows. None of us are big enough or important enough to command their attention to Mm -hmm. get any answers. Um, I do remember it was before the last round of Patreon making changes and, and annoying all the people on Patreon. But they had a thing for a very brief blip in time, I think it was about 2017, where they had to stop allowing NSFW, not safe for work, accounts on Patreon to um, take PayPal. Because PayPal made a big stink about what kind of accounts are on Patreon. And Patreon worked with PayPal to assure that, I think that's part of the reason the stricter guidelines are in place about adult accounts on um, Patreon. They worked with PayPal to say, okay, if we're vetting these people and these accounts, we, you know, what do you need from us to allow people to get paid through PayPal? Because that's the most convenient for a lot of them. And there was a lot, that's a much simplified version based on what they publicly told the rest of us. Um, But it was about, I think, two or three weeks where nobody could do PayPal. And then they were able to turn PayPal back on. But now Patreon watches uh, 18 plus adult Patreon accounts very closely because they don't want, for a lot of reasons, but one of them is their agreement with PayPal on payment processing. And they also allow Stripe through Patreon as well. And Stripe is not the same, doesn't act the way that PayPal does. They're a little bit more forgiving. So it's it's a huge, complicated topic. It just is. Yeah, I mean, it's made, there's a war on sex workers, basically, uh, particularly from um, companies like PayPal, banking, all that kind of stuff, particularly in the US, more so than here, although here too. Um, and so they're obsessed. Like, if they get even the hint that they think that anything you are doing is potentially sex work related, then they will shut you down. Um, and, of course, actually, that is also a war on women because... Um, or people who identify as being women, um, because the vast majority of sex work related stuff is done by those kinds of people. Um, so yeah, we're all trying to be um, censored and you know, you mustn't be making any money from your body unless a man decides you can, in which case then that's fine, but then he gets the money anyway. Right, and only in the way that that man wants you to make money from, oh God, I know. It's, it's enough to leave a very bad taste in your mouth for sure. Well, I wish we had a better answer for you, Floss. I feel like it's like we haven't probably given you much hope. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. If you wanna, if you have other follow-up questions as a result of what we've said, then get in touch. Def- and definitely do that. And if we can either get the information or find somebody who can give us the information, and we, I'm happy to do an entire episode just talking about payments because – it's yeah. important to all of us, regardless of the type of smut lancer you are, whether you're selling erotic photography or you're selling the written word or you're selling a product that you make. It, it affects us all because eventually none of us are safe. They go for sex workers first, the people who are yeah. 
like easy prey. doing it one-on-one -on -one with another human being then they go for the people on video and in, in porn and then they come down to and it, it's all about levels and bloggers might be last on the list but what are they going to do when they've shut down everybody else they got to come for yeah they're going to come for you. exactly so we all have to be paying attention to these things and we all have to care about it and we all have to kind of at least know on the periphery what the hell's going on um so that hopefully we are a little less blindsided by it and we can protect ourselves against it we can fight against it we can unite with all of the other groups who are affected by it so what we can't do is put our head in the sand and pretend it's never gonna it's never gonna affect us it absolutely will Okay, so that was the July mailbag episode. Um, we are going to do these once a month until somebody finally takes our microphones away. Uh, <laughs> so anytime you have a question, you can reach out and ask, and we will add it to our list. Um, I'll tell you about, about the ways you can ask me, and then I'll let Molly tell you about the ways you can ask her. And you can ask either of us. It's fine. There's not any one that you have to ask. So with the Smut Lancer, there is a page on thesmutlancer.com called Ask the Smut Lancer. Uh, I've got a, by the time this episode goes live, I will have updated it to make it clear that you're asking for uh, mailbag podcast episodes. Um, but you, it's a contact form, and you can just ask your question. And if you want it to stay anonymous, fine. And if you don't care, no problem. But if you wanted to stay anonymous, make sure we know that. Um, if you are a subscriber to the Smut Lancer newsletter, you can reply to any of the newsletters you get and say, I have a question for the podcast and just ask your question and we will compile them. Um, as everybody who asked questions for this July episode will clearly know, we don't get to all of the questions <laughs> in one episode. We still have a list that will get moved forward to August. Um, but we will constantly add questions and your questions let us know what other topics we need to go in depth on as well. So that will help us with future episode um, topics. And you can also talk to me on Twitter at the Smut Lancer or at Kayla Lords. Message me there and you can ask your question. And then, of course, I'll, I'll put something on Twitter or Instagram and go ask questions and you can respond to that. So there's lots of ways you can ask me. Molly, how can they ask you? Uh, yeah, Twitter again at Molly Steady Kiss or even through the Eroticon Twitter, which is Eroticon UK. Uh, you can always ask those questions there. Um, yeah, I mean, you can always email me as well if you want to, molly at mollystadykiss.com, um, and just say that this is for the, you know, Smart Lancer podcast. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the main ways. Yeah, so don't be shy with your questions. Go ahead and ask them. Um, there are, and I know, I know smut lancery types whether you're a writer or a podcaster or a photographer or whatever your kind of content you're making we are all anxious types let me go ahead and say you will not ask a stupid question you might ask a basic question but that's okay everybody starts somewhere so do not think your question is stupid just ask it and if we can answer it we will if we mm -hmm. can i did this a couple times if the answer is laid out perfectly in a blog post that's been written by one of us i may just send you the link and we may still answer the question because guess what you will never be the only person with that question ever ever right so always ask it. Okay. So I think that wraps that up for this episode. Um, later this month, you will get to hear solo episodes from me and then one from Molly, which actually, it won't really be a solo episode for you. The lovely, wonderful, amazing, talented at Dom Signs, follow him if you are not, uh, will be with you, right? Talking about something that has to do with something. <laughs> you are clearly, we've done some great planning there, haven't we? <laughs> Well, you know, we don't want to give away spoilers. <laughs> yeah, something about something, la di da di da. Yes, something about something will definitely happen. So we every week you will have us back in a different way, and once a month we will answer your questions. So that is it for us this week. Thanks for listening. We're glad you're here. 
gosh, over an hour answering questions. Y'all, you just got a peek into what our Skype conversations are always like. There you go. Now you know. <laughs> now you know. Thanks for listening. <laughs>